Yes, folks, it is ugly out there. Please avoid I-10 for the time being. It is basically at a crawl, if not a complete uh, shutdown at this point. Uh, vehicle accident with injuries. When I was trying to come this way, uh, it just was no. In fact, there were people who were on the entrance ramp onto I-10 from I-49 uh, southbound, uh, basically turning around on the ramp and then coming back down the ramp to get on the road. And if you're listening and you were one of those people, that was really gutsy. Uh, that's the best way for me to put it. 232-1542. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5. KPL, glad to be here today. Glad to have made it. Had to come up Willow. And the people who drive down Willow are uh, very conscientious of traffic laws. 10 and 2, 5 miles under the speed limit. Absolutely no sense of hurry whatsoever. And lots of red lights. So, uh... Thank you to the people of Willow for driving safely, although I really wish you were in a little bit more of a hurry just this one afternoon. So the new Biden scandal has dropped. I actually told you guys this was coming. Uh, Joe Biden in uh, Saudi Arabia today meeting with uh, the Saudi crown prince, uh, Mohammed bin uh, Salman. And the media is not happy. Now, remember, uh, MBS, as he's known, as he's kind of referred to by the press and, and by uh, pretty much everybody, MBS ordered the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. And the media is not like it. There's nothing the media loves more than themselves. And so this is a personal affront to them. Uh, obviously, Saudi Arabia, we should focus on all their human rights violations. MBS is a supervillain, yada, yada, yada. And Joe Biden fist bumped MBS today. He, he wasn't going, because of COVID, he wasn't going to shake anyone's hand. But the image of the fist bump is actually causing uh, a lot more of a stir because it actually looks friendlier than a handshake. Now, keep in mind, Biden didn't want to give Saudi Arabia the time of day. He's been avoiding this for a long time. But the energy crisis, his foreign policy crisis... All of that is kind of coming to a head, to a head and he, he has to. Uh, but Fred Ryan, the publisher and CEO of the Washington Post, has a statement out today. The fist bump between President Biden and Mohammed bin Salman was worse than a handshake. It was shameful. It projected a level of intimacy and comfort that delivers to MBS the unwarranted redemption he has been desperately seeking. Again, the Washington Post is uh, the former employer of Jamal Khashoggi, the journalist that MBS had targeted for assassination. Obviously, not a fan of assassinating anyone, including journalists, but I wonder if Fred Ryan has ever been so outraged by the human rights abuses, which are far more numerous, far more villainous, the human rights abuses of Iran. Because the media has consistently cheered the Democrats trying to come to another nuclear deal with Iran. They excoriated Trump for backing out of the Iran deal that Barack Obama had set in place. And they have been pushing the Biden administration for normalizing relations with Iran to try to uh, get this, uh, to, to try to turn this geopolitical enemy into not necessarily an ally, but a better acquaintance. But God forbid you shake uh, Mohammed bin Salman's hand or you even fist bump him because that is just a, a threat to democracy. It's, it's very, very self-absorbed and it comes from people. Now, granted, 
the Washington Post has a special interest in this, and that should be understood here. But it's not just the Washington Post from NPR. Biden greeted Saudi Arabia's crown prince Mohammed bin Salman with an outstretched closed fist when he arrived on Friday at Al-Salam Royal Palace for meetings with bin Salman and his father, Saudi Arabia's King Salman. The meeting had been a question of intense speculation leading up to the controversial meeting in Saudi Arabia. When running for president, Biden had vowed to treat the country as a pariah due to a long string of human rights abuses, including the murder of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi, a killing in a Saudi operation that U.S. intelligence assessed and had been approved by the crown prince. None of the media is happy with it. They do not like granting any sort of legitimacy to MBS. So why is Joe Biden there? Why is Joe Biden in Saudi Arabia? Well, he's been going on this tour around the Middle East for a couple of reasons. One, he wants to show that he's physically fit enough for these global tours. He wants to show that he can go out there, he can talk to nations, leaders, and you know, be on the forefront of American foreign policy. The problem is Joe Biden sucks at foreign policy. I mean, uh, which uh, which uh, Obama official was that said Joe Biden has been wrong on every foreign policy issue for the last 50 years? It hasn't changed. That That's still where we are. Uh, the Biden administration has not done very well on the foreign policy front, and that is... Uh, Pretty understandable, given that Joe Biden himself has been terrible on the foreign policy front since he's been in office for the last, you know, handful of decades in Washington, D.C. Now, you should know, you should know that this isn't just about oil. It isn't just about energy. Biden has been traveling all around the Middle East, trying to pick up where Donald Trump left off. Now, Donald Trump, his administration basically told the Middle East, you're on your own. And it forced Middle Eastern countries to come together and to come together with Israel and sign off on peace because everybody recognized that the biggest threat was Iran. And Iran is still out there. It is, it is the most destabilizing force in the region. And Saudi Arabia, Israel, Turkey, all these other Middle Eastern countries look at Iran and they're very, very concerned. Joe Biden and his administration won't even mention the Abraham Accords, which was the centerpiece of U.S. policy in the region. The Abraham Accords were essentially the peace agreement between these countries and Israel, saying, we're, you guys have to stick with each other. We're, gonna, we're pulling out of the region. And the Biden administration wouldn't even mention the Abraham Accords. Only now are they mentioning it. Only now are they recognizing that the strategy was actually working. And they're going together, and Joe Biden is going around and basically reaffirming the U.S. commitment to the Abraham Accords and also kind of maintaining the peace, in a sense. But Joe Biden didn't just go to Saudi Arabia. He's been to a lot of countries. And it's what he said to Palestinians today that the media is avoiding like the plague. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. And I will talk about that when we come back here 
on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Uh, you can check out the show notes on kpel965.com. I have links to everything that I've been talking about so far, including a screenshot of the, uh, of the statement I shared in the last segment from the publisher of the Washington Post, just outraged uh, that Joe Biden would dare to fist bump Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. But, but it is not just the fist bump that we should be focusing on right now. Uh, in a speech today that the media is not picking up on at all, uh, they, they are focusing on everything but one particular quote. Here's the quote. My background and the background of my family is Irish American, and we have a long history of, uh, and that, that us in the quote, by the way, not fundamentally unlike the Palestinian people with Great Britain and their attitude over the years for 400 years, Biden said. So Joe Biden managed to smear two of our allies in a single quote while conflating the, uh, the conflict between Israel and the Palestinian Authority to the British and Irish Catholics. From Philip Klein, uh, the editor at National Review, in the framework that Biden has set up here, Israel is presumably the colonial power that is oppressing other people out of sheer religious bigotry. This is absolutely disgusting. There has been a Jewish presence in Israel for thousands of years. Modern Israel serves as a crucial ally for the United States and as a safe haven for the most persecuted religious group in world history. To indulge his stupid analogy a bit further, Irish Catholics seeking independent control over their homeland did not fight toward the goal of conquering England and driving the British from their own homeland and denying its right to exist altogether. Yet for decades, Arabs have sought to drive Jews out of the region through war and terrorist attacks. If the British lost control of Ireland, they still had England. What happens to Israeli Jews if they lose Israel? Earlier this week, in remarks that got attention because of the gaffe machine Biden referred uh, because the gaffe machine Biden referred to the honor of the Holocaust, he also said, wherever we find it in the world, we make real on the promise of never again by taking it on. After today's insult, his words ring especially hollow. Philip Klein's right. This is a stupid, stupid analogy for multiple reasons, but the Democratic Party has a real anti-Jewish problem. They do not like the existence of Israel. They think that Israel is a colonial Western power just as guilty of atrocities as the British, as Americans. And they don't think Israel has a right to exist. Despite the fact that Israelis, uh, Israeli Jews have a time-honored claim to the land. And Biden, who again, is horrible on foreign policy and has been his entire political career, is only making the issue worse because now, once again, he's attacking our allies in Great Britain and their history, and he's attacking our allies in Israel who are fighting for their lives on a near-daily basis against the Palestinian Authority and other terror groups, many of which backed by Iran, by the way, 
that want to wipe them off the face of the map. No, it's not about extending territorial control to other places. It's about Israel holding on to what's theirs. But the thing is, like I mentioned in the last segment, like I've mentioned earlier this week, the Israelis have a glimmer of hope because the Saudi Arabians, um, uh, Qatar, uh, Egypt, all a bu- uh, several other Arab nations in the Middle East and without are coming to the table and having conversations with the Israelis because they understand the influence that Iran potentially forces on the rest of the region, the chaotic influence. Somalia, by the way, is now considering formal time ties with Israel. So we're extending beyond the Middle East to looking at Egypt, looking at Somalia. Israel is getting legitimacy from other nations around the world that normally haven't. Meanwhile, the Biden administration, with this speech and with their attitudes and the Democratic Party's attitudes on, on Israel in general, they are regressive. They don't think. They openly talk like Israel doesn't have the claims it has. You have Rashida Tlaib, a member of the squad, who consistently commits an acts of blood libel against the Jews. But God forbid Joe Biden fist bumps Mohammed bin Salman because he had a journalist assassinated. Meanwhile, Iran is backing terror groups that are trying to wipe Jews off the face of the earth. And oh yeah, wants to see the U.S. destroyed as well. But we can't, can't worry about all that. We got to worry about Saudi Arabia. We got to worry about the evil colonialism of the Jews in Israel. The Democrats really, really aren't very good at this. They've, they've never really been good at the foreign policy game. But they've just, on every issue since they took power in 2021, on every issue, they've just gotten progressively worse. I mean, think about it. It was foreign policy, essentially, that got Biden to start on this downward spiral in the polls. It was the withdrawal from Afghanistan. You notice in the polls, after the Afghanistan withdrawal, that's when his approval rating started tanking. He, he said there's absolutely no intelligence to indicate the Taliban would take over Afghanistan. They did it in hours. They did it in three days. Even Russia trolled us and said, hey, it took years for, uh, for uh, Afghanistan to destabilize after we left. It just took three days when America left. Even Russia got in on the troll game. Biden is traveling the Middle East, and he is just a nonstop gaffe machine, one thing after the next. That's who's representing us on the world stage right now. And is it any wonder that his numbers continue to tank? Now, granted, the, the, the speech he gave today and the comments he made comparing the Palestinians to Irish Catholics, is that going to resonate with Americans? Probably not. The media is not really covering it. The media is not covering it. The media is not talking about it. But... You know what is going to happen? 
Americans are going to get so fed up with how they're being represented nationally and on the world stage that they are going to flip. They are going to side with the Republicans in November. And that is going to leave the Democratic Party absolutely devastated. All right, let's take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, Joe Manchin is officially crushing Democrats' hopes and dreams again. That's always fun to talk about. So we'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5. And remember, you can call and be part of the show 232-1542. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in, be part of the conversation on this Friday that looks to be clearing up. Uh, Again, though, the traffic hasn't been great, especially on I-10 westbound. Uh, it looks like it's still up on the board, the vehicle accident with injuries on I-10 westbound. Uh, also looking at a vehicle accident on eastbound as well. So y'all be careful out there. Lots of vehicle accidents up on the board. Uh, several, it appears, on Johnston and several on I-10 both ways. So please, please, please be careful out there. Headline, UPenn nominates transgender swimmer Leah Thomas for NCAA Woman of the Year Award. Moving right along, Joe Manchin is crushed. I'm sorry, I can't stay on that subject too long. It's just, it, it's... I, 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 the Leah Thomas thing is such... It's... It's such drama just waiting to happen. There's been a lot of comment from other swimmers, other women swimmers out there. So many comments from them about how they kind of feel like they've been cheated out of a potential, uh, of a chance to compete because you have a fully developed biological male able to compete and absolutely thrash them in swimming competitions. But anyway... Talk about that later on. Right now, Joe Manchin crushing the Democrats' hopes and dreams is always, always a fun topic to talk about. Much more fun to talk about than transgender swimmers. There are some conflicting reports about whether or not Joe Manchin is walking away from the negotiating table with his own party. That's what's the best part of this. Joe Manchin is walking away from the negotiating with his own party, or rather, his own party's trying to negotiate with him. Joe Manchin is the most powerful man in the Senate. I've said that multiple times. He is on the Energy Committee in the Senate. He comes from a major coal-producing state in West Virginia. He is the one roadblock on the Green New Deal on the Democratic side. And the Democrats aren't happy about it. Chuck Schumer has been trying to negotiate something, and... According to the Washington Post, Schumer, as of last night, had walked away. And that is, I'm I'm sorry, not Schumer, uh, Manchin had walked away. And that's based on what people close to Schumer had told the Washington Post. Manchin has come out today and said that he isn't blowing up the talks. He just wants to wait to see July inflation numbers and then decide on climate and tax, which is not what the Democratic leaders are saying uh, that he actually told them. That is coming from a Washington Post reporter. Uh, who had worked on the original Washington Post story about Manchin walking away last night. Again, the Democrats want to push ahead on a climate and tax agenda because they don't have anything else. There's nothing else they can do right now. They can't win on the gun issue in Congress and the Senate. They can't win on the abortion issue in Congress and in, in the House and the Senate. 
So they are going for these messaging things that really that resonate with the base. That's the, the, the climate issue and taxing the rich. That's the last couple of issues that Democrats can can fight on to try to keep the base rallied. At this point, they are they're left with just throwing things up on the wall to see what sticks. And they are constantly in a position of having to try and make this stuff stick, make these topics something that turn into a vote grabber, or at least at the very, or at least rally their own base. That's the problem. They can't even rally their own base right now. The Democrats are struggling to keep progressive voters interested. The Democrat voters are losing faith in their party. And so they're going to stay home in November. That is what the data says right now. And staying home is the best case scenario. Staying home is the best case scenario. Because if they switch to the Republican side, you it's not just Republicans winning a five, 10 seat majority in Congress. It's the Republicans winning 30 or more seats in the house and taking the Senate. The Senate is still very much up in the air right now, but if even the base doesn't go out to vote, then Democrats have a major problem. Two, three, two, 1542. If you want to call in, be part of the conversation joining us on the line, we've got Chad, Chad, thanks for calling the show. How are you today? Hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mr. Joe. Thanks for the call. Yeah, what you got? Listen, Joe, uh, great show as always. And uh, listen, uh, no disrespect, but uh, Joe Manchin is not to be trusted. Oh, I agree. I absolutely He's agree. A snake. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, he, this, is, this is the guy behind the Toomey Manchin bill that was a disaster uh, years ago. I mean, we're, we're talking about somebody who is a lifelong Democrat, and then there's been joking about, That's oh, right. the Democrats are going to push him to the Republican Party. He's not going to switch to the Republican Party. He's a died in the uh, world. Absolutely not. And, we, and as conservatives, we don't want him near. We don't want his help. No, we, we have Susan Collins. Why would we need Joe Manchin? Uh, that's just his first. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I just find it really funny that the Democrats can't even get through their own party, much less right. get any Republicans on board with the agenda. Because they, 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 uh, other Democrats, you know, Democrats ought to be trusted, and they're all afraid of Nancy Pelosi. They are. Absolutely are. You know, I've joked, I said earlier, Joe Manchin's the most powerful man in the Senate. Here's the order. It's Joe Manchin. Uh, well, in, in terms of what the Democrats can actually do, he in, in what what actually can come to the floor right now, Joe Manchin is the guy they have to go through. It's Joe Manchin, then Mitch McConnell, and then Nancy Pelosi, who's not even in the Senate, has more power in the Senate than Chuck Schumer. That's how bad the leadership is in oh, the Mitch Democratic McConnell, Party. That's a joke. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've you know I'm I'm no fan of McConnell. I've said it before. He's as far as I'm oh, concerned, no, he's, he's weak. He's soft. He's got to go. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. We we need we need fresh blood on the Republican on the conservative. I'm not even going to say Republican because I'm not a Republican, but on the conservative side, we no, need stronger I'm a, blood. I'm a conservative yeah, we need stronger blood on the conservative side. That's why Mitch McConnell. I, I think it's time to hang up the boots. Kevin McCarthy absolutely right, 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 right. absolutely need to get rid of McCarthy. But on the on the Democratic oh, side. On the Democratic side, Manchin... He's weak. He, yeah. Uh, Manchin is holding all the cards, and it's just funny to watch the Democrats collapse on their own side. Right. And just like here down in Louisiana, we need better leadership, too. Uh, 
Absolutely. Face, uh, Blank Page has got to go. Yeah. John Paul has got to go. Mike Huval has got to go. John Bellows has got to go. Billy yeah. Nungus has got to go. You're absolutely right. Chad, thank you very much for the call. You're absolutely right. We need stronger blood across the board. Democrat and Republican. The Democrat, I'll, I'll, I'll say this as, as, you know, opposed to the Democrat agenda as I am. I do feel bad, particularly here in the state, but to, just the Democrats in general. The Democrats need stronger leadership, too. They need to find people who can actually go out there and, and intelligently fight for their position. Because there, there are Democrats. I, I know that in the polarized world that we live in, it, it's not something that we admit to. There are people on the left who can actually present intelligent arguments to their own side. Those people don't find themselves in power in the Democratic Party, much like the best thinkers and the best policymakers on the conservative side don't wind up in office either, because everybody knows that going into office is a terrible decision if you're a normal, sane human being. But everybody needs better leadership, and the problem is the power structures are written in a way that the people who have been in power get to keep their power. Y'all don't need me to go on my crusade against Kevin McCarthy again, but by God, the man is building up his power base, not just in D.C., but back in California. There are good conservatives in California, and he is getting rid of them in order to try to build up his own support in the state party there. Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, although I will, I, I do give Mitch McConnell a uh, uh, credit the judicial branch being a strong conservative branch right now is thanks in large part to his handling of the Senate for the last several years. McConnell does give credit there, but McConnell is no friend to the conservative cause. He is more interested in power and influence. McCarthy damn sure is. But look at the other side. Nancy Pelosi was going to retire, decided at the last minute she is going to run for re-election. She is their biggest fundraiser. But she looks around her party, she sees they don't have any leadership options, which is terrible because she's not a great leader herself. The House, House Democrats have utterly collapsed under her leadership. In the Senate, Harry Reid, as much of a troll as he was, he was able to uh, actually maintain some order over his party in the Senate. Once he was gone, Chuck Schumer came to the scene and he's been awful. The Democrats don't have a chance to really... To, to really come into power with with any sort of new ideas or, or, or ways to to innovate the party and get the base energized because it's a bunch of unenergetic old people in charge. I feel kind of bad for them. I feel kind of bad for the White House staffers that have to go and clean up Joe Biden's statements. I feel bad for the for the people who have to work under those conditions, regardless of what their political ideology is, because their leadership is just awful. And I don't say that because I sympathize with the Democrats or anything. Look at the country. Look at where we are economically. Look at the fact that our leaders can't get it together long enough to do anything that is new, innovative, and helpful to the country. You know, we like to say that the, the system, the, that Congress not getting anything done is a feature, not a bug of the system. But there are things that we could be doing that Congress is deadlocked on because the leadership in both parties sucks. Let's go ahead and take a break. 232-1542 if you want to call in. When we come back, a couple more of the headlines of the day. What's happening uh, with Republican consultants? Why are they suddenly scared? That and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. 
Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in, got a few minutes left in the day before we kick it to offsides. Republican consultants do not like the issue of abortion. They do not like it as a campaign point. Most of them are relatively pro-life, although a lot of the consultant class is a little bit more liberal than some of the candidates that they work for. It comes from this need, this inherent need to be pragmatic on the issue, on certain issues to try to maximize their support because that's just what the job is. But the issue of abortion actually legitimately terrifies them. And Politico is out with a story on that today from Politico. Talking about the 10-year-old the girl story that, we, that we've talked about a few times on the show. The, the story of the 10-year-old girl who crossed state lines to get an abortion from Ohio to Indiana. Despite what GOP leaders and strategists would prefer, the story is unlikely to fade quickly. Later this month, Indiana State Legislature plans to convene a special session explicitly to pass new curbs on abortion, likely becoming the first state to do so in the wake of the Dobbs decision that reversed the national right to abortion enshrined in Roe in 1973. These are the kind of things that are going to breathe life into Democrats' hopes of maintaining some sort of coalition, said John Thomas, a Republican strategist who works on House campaigns across the country. I don't think this is the dominant issue as we're going into November, but these kind of unforced errors are lifelines for the Democrats. Thomas said the Indiana case has already come up in at least one race he is working on, and he's advised candidates that you try to avoid the topic, you pivot to another issue. Every day that we're talking about anything but Biden's cost of living is a day wasted politically, said Scott Reed, a veteran Republican strategist. You know, we've got a historic opportunity here this November. Let's not blow it. The Democrats really, really want there to be a uh, an abortion wave, a, a spike in the polls from abortion. It hasn't materialized. There was a brief little bump, but it, it didn't stick around. And it's not going to stick around. Um, it's not going to come back up. There's absent from this Politico story is any actual data showing that it's a threat to Republicans right now. And there likely won't be no as horrifying as the she's 10 story is as horrifying as it is. It's going to be a blip in the radar because at the same time we're talking about that. We again, just this week saw inflation hit 9.1%. We're still seeing high prices, higher gas, even though the gas prices have gone down, the prices are still up from where they were a year ago. Joe Biden is out gaffing his way across across the Middle East. Everybody's focusing on these issues time after time. They're not worried about these issues. The abortion issue is not something that is coming up. Now, Republicans will be asked about it. Republicans will be put on the spot about it. And to an extent, the Republican strategists are correct in that you do try to pivot and you try to uh, switch it back to the economy. But Politico is playing that up as meaning that Republicans stand to lose because of abortion. And that's not the case. Abortion is not going to ruin Republicans' chances of winning. Now, if you recall, the issue of abortion 
came up in the Todd Aiken race years ago when he made some questionable claims about sexual assault and abortion and rape. But Todd Aiken was already a weak candidate. Todd Aiken became the candidate because the Democrats spent a ton of money promoting him over other Republicans in that race. And it gave um, Claire McCaskill an easy opportunity to win again. But that didn't happen this time. What happened this time is that the courts have given the issue of abortion back to the states and Republicans and Democrats are each motivated on that issue. But the ones who are motivated on the issue of abortion, that's their most important thing. They're already going out to vote. Their vote is already determined. It's not going to make a difference. It will not make a difference in November whether or not somebody says something stupid about abortion if they're an otherwise decent candidate and if the Democrats' odds are already so horrendously bad that there's no chance of recovery, which is where many Democrats are right now. So these consultants are a little weak on the issue and they are terrified of the issue coming up because they don't want their candidates to make missteps. But Politico is playing this story up so much because they want Republicans scared. They want Republicans backing away from the issue. They don't want Republicans touting how touting the victories of pro-life of the pro-life movement. They want to believe that abortion will help Democrats win in November. And I'm sorry, any Democrats, any pro-choice folks out there, it's not. The issue of abortion is not going to give you a big bounce back in the polls. Because everything else going on in the world is so much worse and so much more important and so much more local to the people who are really considering voting in November. The folks who sit around the kitchen table looking at their bills, the folks who sit around the kitchen table wondering, you know, if they've got enough money to make it to the end of the month. The people who are wondering if they really should go on a vacation or do any extra traveling or anything like that because of the money and economic issues. That's going to do it for today. Have a good weekend, y'all. But don't leave just yet because Offsides is coming up. I'll be joining Shannon there here on News Talk KPL 96.5. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And as always, check out the podcast version of the show later today on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. You guys have a great weekend. Talk to you again soon.